0: Welcome to the show, where it's always dad pod season. Your two daddical dudes will take you on a journey about fatherhood. If you've ever struggled with an aspect of parenthood and wanted to know how other dads would handle it, or if you're a mother and want to know just what the hell is going on in our brains, or if you have a burning question and no one to turn to, remember that here you can always ask your dad.
1: Welcome back to this special Christmas edition of Ask Your Dad. You got your two St. Nicks here today. I'm Nick. And I'm Nick. And we're here today to wish you a happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas. Um, I think Hanukkah ends tomorrow. I think that tracks, yeah. Um, And I don't know enough about any other holiday Things to say. Yeah. But if you celebrate them, enjoy them. Yeah. Enjoy this family time. Or not if you don't like <laughs> your family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your, your solace. <laughs> enjoy your God given right to choose who you spend time with. Exactly. <laughs> the point
1: is, you know, have a good time. Yeah. I guess I'll give you a little update about
0: how I'm doing since the last episode. Yeah. It's been about. Has it been a week or a week? It's been about a week. Just about a like week. Our last Monday dropped on Mon- or, or last Monday. Our last episode dropped on Monday, I think. We're recording this on that Friday. So by the time you guys listen to it, it'll be about a week. All right. Exciting. What's new in the life of uh, Nick Bender?
1: Um, I'm still on Christmas break. <laughs> I was on Christmas break <laughs> for last time, too. So... But this time you're on Christmas
0: break. Now. I am also now. If this is my first day off uh, on Christmas break, so I'm extremely excited. If I sound a little sleepy, it's because my kids—they um, don't know what that means yet. So I've been awake since <laughs> four in the morning. <laughs> New developments: My kids got sick and
1: better in the last time. Since the last time we met, we got all of our Christmas shopping done.
0: Now, nice.
1: Uh, we do not have all of our Christmas wrapping done. But most of it, it'll be done today. Um, all the kids' stuff is good to go. It's just uh, like extended family members, yeah. like dads and cousins and stuff like that.
0: Well, dad. My dad's. <laughs> <laughs> For me, anyway. Well, I got to write my dad's presents too, so I guess it it still counts. <laughs> okay, so dad's. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing in the last week? I'm good. I got I got one cool thing that happened this week and one annoying thing that happened today. Ooh. So which one you want first? Let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Right. Let's do annoying thing first. <laughs> so my tires in my car are like extremely bald. Like the cords are starting to appear Uh-oh. out of it. It's like it's not good. And uh, I've been trying to get tires for it for like the last two weeks, but with Christmas and everything, just the money for it hasn't quite been there because we've been prioritizing other stuff. And I don't necessarily need to drive my car except to work every day, which is like a five-minute drive. But my kid's daycare is like 30 minutes away. So I'll come home from work, swap cars with my wife, and then take her car down and back instead. And that's how we've been kind of getting around it. But when we got paid last, I ordered two tires and set an appointment to get them changed at Walmart, which is probably my fault for choosing Walmart. But I was kind of looking for a deal, and so found two tires. Price was okay, and install was about as good as everybody else told me it was going to be for their shops. Um, There's actually a local shop from a student of mine that I was going to go to, so if she listens to this, this is why I didn't go yet. But her her install price was about the exact same, but she doesn't have a tire distributor yet, so I would have to go buy the tires and go it anywhere. So it just made more sense to me at the time just to get it all at the same place. So I ordered the tires and set the appointment for today at 8 and then i get there today at 8 after taking my kids to school and uh or daycare rather and uh, i get there and he's like oh i don't see the tires here they must not have got here i'm like well why do i have an appointment <laughs> <laughs> right? um so he's he's looking in the back and he's doing inventory checks and we we end up finding that he has basically the same two tires is the same brand same size everything instead of like so instead of Goodyear all season, it's Goodyear Reliant or something like that. It costs the exact same amount. It's the same damn tire, basically. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just use those and we can cancel this other thing. And the, the cost will balance out. I'd have to pay $3 total for both tires if, if that's the way it would have worked out. And then he goes and talks to his manager and comes back and he's like, well, you'd have to spend, you'd have to buy the tires right now and then cancel your order. And then when the refund comes in, then you get your money back. And I was like, No, see, I already spent the money. The money's gone. I'm not spending another 200 bucks. Like that's not happening. Yeah. So, so I ended up just not getting tires. So I canceled those tires, and then my refund came in uh, when I got home. So. Oh. But now we're gonna use them to buy groceries. So I get paid on next Friday actually. So in a week I'll go get tires, and my kids are off of daycare for a week. So it's not like I need my car to go anywhere. So it'll just sit here in the driveway for a week and then I'll get tired. So that's the annoying thing that happened that kind of ticked me off this morning. Cause I was like my, my first, like finally, like I got a day off I can go get my tires done. But the cool thing that happened this week is one of my favorite brands made a new song. Oh. Um, so I listened to a mega man rock opera group, uh, called the proto men that I've been listening to since high school. And their whole shtick is like every eighties movie soundtrack you've ever heard, but as a mega man rock opera. Um, and they they made their first album as like a college assignment in Tennessee or in Nashville, <laughs> I think. Um, and they released it. And my friends and I all thought it was freaking awesome. And then uh, and then a few years later, well, probably more than that. I don't remember anymore. They released a sequel or a prequel to the story through Rock Opera. And it was even better. And I was like, this this is my identity for a while. I'm going to listen to only this <laughs> album for like the next year and a half. It was really good, and then that was like 12 or 13 years ago, I think, and they've been touring, and they've been, like, doing shows and stuff. They haven't, like, stopped being a band. They just never released anything new. Seven years ago, they released two new singles from their upcoming album, and then uh, earlier this week, they released another single, which it's not exactly a new song. They've been playing it at live shows for, like, five years, but they just finally released it with, like, in studio with good production and stuff, so now it's on my Spotify and it's like in my head all the time.
1: I have to listen to it because I didn't know it came out. It
0: was really good.
1: I think they have a cover of something I like too. I can't remember.
0: They have a, an entire album of covers. Oh. well, they have they have an entire album of Queen covers that Maybe they did a live concert for, about. and then they have another album of like, um, eighties rock covers, which are almost no, not almost all, but have a handful of uh, movie soundtrack covers too. So I actually have the vinyl for for that one, the cover up. It's really good stuff. Maybe I maybe I'm just thinking of the whole album then. It could be. Anyway. They I, have like all of Queen's greatest hits as covers because they did that concert and they recorded it, but they also have like Danger Zone from Top Gun. That's I think that's exactly Mis- what it was. They have actually. Mr. Roboto. Um they have In the Air from Phil Collins. They have a bunch of good stuff. It's really good. If you haven't listened to them, even if you don't care about video games or Mega Man, look up their covers cuz they're really good. Yeah. I'm weird when it comes to covers
1: anyway. A lot of times I really like the original song and then I'll hear a cover and I'm like, "Oh, this is just as good or better." That's me too.
0: <laughs> Everyone gives me shit over it, but like, no, I love cover songs. I I I almost always end up liking them more some like if it's a good cover, I almost always choose to listen to that one instead of the original. I, just, I, know. I don't know why that's how I am, but I'm, I'm just, glad we're kindred spirits on that. I'm the same way because <laughs> like,
1: like did I ever show you iron horse? Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. I have, I have it. That was another one of those groups. I was like, that's my identity now. Yeah. Which, <laughs> just... uh, If you're listening at home, you don't know what that is. Uh, Nick introduced me to a bluegrass cover group that does like Metallica covers and iron maiden covers all in bluegrass. Um, And then that, that took me on a journey to find other groups like honey wagon who do Michael Jackson covers and, just a whole bunch of, like, it opened up bluegrass for me, which I super love now.
1: Same. I can't remember if I found Iron Horse on my own or if Mitch showed me Iron Horse. I know Mitch showed me Beat Talica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. But I don't
1: think he showed me Iron I think I found I feel Iron like Horse. you discovered Iron Horse. Beat Talica is a mashup. It's not really covers. It's... The Beatles mashed up with Metallica. I hate you. And the singer <laughs> the singer of the song sounds like James Hetfield, like very close to identical. <laughs> so much so that he's got complimented
0: by James Hetfield. So it's pretty The songs are like Does he do Beatles songs in Metallica style or
1: so he's got a song called Hey Dude? Instead of Hey Jude, okay, that's like the most common one that I that pops up on my like like songs or whatever. It's like Hey dude. <laughs> and it's like okay. <laughs> Is this just Metallica making right? James Hetfield just got really bored one time,
0: <laughs> He he's like, "I liked that movie yesterday. I could do Beatles songs." <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we have kind of a full plate today. We do. Um, So we wanted to talk about, well, our first segment's going to be like our main topic, which was your brainchild, I think, Nick, uh, where basically it's like rules we grew up with and maybe rules that we kind of thought were arbitrary or didn't really understand the purpose for. And then we became parents and we're like, oh, (laughs) I get it now. Um, But just probably general discussion on like rules for our children or rules that we remember anyway. And then um, we got our first question. We got our first person asking, asking your dads, and they gave a question for you and a question for me, so we'll tackle those. And did you want to do our first Golden Dad Award? Because I have one kind of prepped. I think I sent it to you. I don't know if you read the article. I So here's interesting. <laughs> I had
1: read the article when it first came out yeah, a few I, days before. So before
0: we decided um, on the Golden Dad Awards. Um, Which I I guess we should explain. Will you explain that? Because the way you explained it to me when we were thinking of this show was like, it was perfect.
1: So the Golden Dad Award is just a dad that we find probably in the media, or maybe if we just happen to know someone who exemplifies, you know, the epitome of dadness. Mm -hmm. Uh, The attitude of daditude. Yes, the attitude of daditude. (laughs) (laughs) And they just do like a stellar dad thing or... You know, something like that. Um, yeah. I think that since you presented the article to me, I feel like you should present the article to everyone. Um, yeah. Well, that'll be that'll be towards the end of the show. We don't have to do that
0: now. Okay. But that's part of what's coming up. Yeah.
1: So we're gonna try to find a Golden Dad award to give out to people when we when we see them. It might not be in every podcast thing because we might not find a Golden Dad, but maybe
0: we will. Yeah. There's uh, plenty of ex- examples every day. Yeah. And I don't I don't think we wanted to dig too deep into news articles or go too far in the past. But this is a really recent news story that like it's a pretty awesome dad thing. Like it's a legendary dad thing in my opinion. And like I put myself in the situation when it happened, I was like, I hope I could do what he did. Right. So little teaser there for everyone. <laughs> Now we got them to the end of the episode. Yep. Let's take our time. Or or at least they'll fast forward to that part and maybe it will show up
1: as a whole view. Right. (laughs) Most replayed moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's go into our first topic. What about what kind of rules either you had growing up that you use now or just in general that you want to talk about?
1: Okay. So the first one that comes to mind, I had it when I was a kid. My kids have it today. It's no running in the house. When I was growing up, a lot of times we lived in apartment buildings and not on the ground floor. We Actually, we used to live on the, the highest floor they had because my dad didn't want to deal with the reason for this rule. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. I had the penthouse suite. <laughs> so uh, if it, Usually, they were three-story apartment buildings, so we would live on the third story. But there would be no running in the house because we had neighbors downstairs, which is the same reason I live in a condo now. So I'm, my condo is the second and third story of the building. So we have a downstairs neighbor sometimes when they're not, you know, up north. Um, and my kids, no running in the house because it might disturb them. Um, it is a safety issue, too. Like, you don't want to be running in your house because it's not a big open field. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff to knock into, you know. Them obstacles as they said in oh brother where art thou <laughs> yeah. we talked about bluegrass so yeah like there we that, go yeah. we're on the kick now yeah. <laughs> so uh how about your kids do they do they run in the house are they allowed to or is it no running in the house uh
0: well we're just kind of starting to introduce it so my my three and a half year old nixon he loves to run and he loves to jump around and stuff as three and a half year olds are one to do mm-hmm. but he is like he's a speed demon he calls it he has cheetah speed he goes, Dad, look, I got cheetah speed and he starts running. But like he he skins the cat like every time he turns a corner. He gets as close as he possibly can to whatever he's turning around to turn. Um so maybe he'll be a great racer one day. <laughs> but like uh for example, in his room, his dresser has a corner that sticks out like an inch and a half or two inches. And it's a it's a square corner. So his head's like just now getting to that height where he's gotta worry about it. Ooh. Um but he will he doesn't his eye level's not there. So he's like kind of looking down or kind of looking at his chest level as he goes. And like, even when he's walking, he almost hits that thing. Like every time he goes into his door, he'll open the door to his room, which is like off level. So sometimes it closes by itself, like slowly. And he'll just kind of open the door just enough for him to get through shoulder width, And then, then he's like face to face with the corner of the table. And I'm like, please just go through the middle. <laughs> So uh, I worry about that and then when he runs sometimes he doesn't quite get all the traction so he tries to turn or something and he just like flops into a wall occasionally. But I think the bigger thing for him is he just likes to have socks on and he doesn't like having his feet out a lot. He just likes wearing socks all the time. He goes to sleep in socks and then it's probably just kind of a schedule. He goes to sleep in socks to keep his feeties warm. And then he wakes up and he like potatos for a little while. And then we get him changed for school, which he gets new socks and shoes. Then he wears socks all day at school and then he gets home and like maybe he wants to play outside or whatever. He's just wearing socks like all the time. He's going to have the worst athletes, whatever. <laughs> but he's, he's huge. He's a three and a half year old, but he's wearing five T six T clothes. Um, so his feet are so big like mine. And so his, his little three and a half year old sockies don't have grips anymore. And so now uh, just yesterday he was standing in the kitchen next to the stove and just like, moved ever so slightly from a standing still position and just immediately slipped and fell over and like landed on his knee. <laughs> which was funny, but also he was upset by it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's just kind of, he's getting bigger and he's getting faster and he like the way he interacts with everything in the house is starting to change a little bit because of it. So now we're like, hey, slow down, don't run in the house. But if he's not wearing a sock, sometimes we chase him around the house. So it's not really a hard rule. <laughs> and the other <laughs> one can't run yet. <laughs> he crawls really fast yeah so
1: the other interesting like i guess it's like a perception thing i thought of when you were talking about that is the bigger he gets the smaller the house will be yes too so like something that takes him you know 10 paces in a Mm -hmm. run right now you know in it in two years that will be you know four paces in a run like
0: he's getting old enough for this is a little bit of a tangent. He's getting old enough where we're starting to think about like organized sports in the future Yeah. and like little list of little leagues and peewee versions of whatever sports he might play. And we're trying to think about it. Cause we had like a little t-ball thing and a basketball hoop and a soccer net and a football. And we're like kind of, it's kind of like Pokemon, like which one are you going to choose? And he never really liked any of those things. Um. He kind of interacted with them a little bit, but never like, fully engaged or cared about it at the time we just in our backyard and I don't remember how the subject came up but I was talking to him about uh, maybe a coworker of mine who coaches cross country and track and stuff and I was talking about all the different events and of track and field like you can run you can jump and blah 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 and he was like that's what I want to do when can I go to your school and do that I want to go to your school and run on the track and stuff so maybe that's the direction he goes and then he'll have cheetah speed for real life so he's a I guess a tidbit
1: for you on that subject. Um, a few years ago at the Y, um, right by my house when it was still the Y and, mm-hmm. um, they had like, it was an under five basketball mm-hmm. class, I guess it wasn't really like you can't play a game when you're under five. Cause <laughs> familiarize yourself you with the really sport. You can't really dribble a ball even. <laughs> um, but they had that. And, uh, We signed Logan up for it because it was only like $20 for like eight weeks or something like that. Something, just a great deal. Yeah. And uh, Logan went, uh, I think it was two times a week for that amount of time. And he loved it. And it was mostly just running because he would try to dribble the ball and it would just go all the way across (laughs) the basketball court somewhere. And he had to run it down or whatever. So uh, the coach did try to teach them like little... They had a little cute wheel-out, tiny basketball hoop, Mm -hmm. but uh, none of the kids could really, like, throw the ball up to it. Yeah. Even, I mean, they don't have that kind of motor skills or hand-eye or anything yet. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) it it was
0: cute to watch, though. Yeah, it's like Um, an interest-building class and, like, and then the exercise factor
1: of having to run around the gym anyway. Yeah, so, um, he loved that. I would recommend something like that for him, even yeah. if he doesn't like basketball. It's not really basketball; right. it's just a ball yeah. that on a basketball court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know. thanks for the tip.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: His dad's helping dads on Ask Your Dad. That's yeah. what we like to see. <laughs> All right, what's another rule you can think of?
1: Um, so, this next rule, I have mixed feelings about. It's make your bed every morning. When it was just me, my brother, and dad, I don't remember this being a rule at all, but I had a wicked stepmother for a little while from, like, 5th to 8th or 5th to 7th grade. I guess it was only two years, maybe three years. can't quite remember. But um, she was not nice about it, and we had to make our beds. Like Not quite hospital corners or anything like that, (laughs) but, like... We did have to make our beds. And then, obviously, in the military, you have to make your bed if you're sleeping in the barracks. So, uh, my mixed feelings come in because it was a new rule for me when she came along. And it didn't make sense. Like, you're just going to get back in the bed. Why, <laughs> why would you organize it just to mess it up again? Like, it sounds... That was always my train of thought when I was insane. younger. Sounds <laughs> insane. <laughs> it
0: was always my train of thought when I was littler too. Um It's like... But I'm just gonna mess it up again in like ten hours, so
1: my kids don't have to make their beds. As a matter of fact, I'm lucky if I walk in there and there's even sheets on their beds. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys doing? You at least need a sheet. <laughs> so I think making your bed, it might be more about the discipline, like the instilling discipline, yeah, like
0: self discipline, than it is about making it look pretty. It could be that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's almost definitely that because you mentioned it was a wicked stepmom and it doesn't yeah. seem like this was a stepmom that was kind of interested in your mental health or your productivity or whatever. Um, and you had mentioned earlier before the show about like research and, and being able to talk a little bit more about this. And I think where you're gonna go was um, the studies that show like if you're struggling with maybe even depression or if you're struggling to like be productive or get something done, like starting off the day and immediately accomplishing something kind of sets your brain off to like, okay, I'm I'm doing the list now let's go and making your beds like the easiest one to do. So like, that's a lot of advice for people who are like struggling with productivity or struggling with mental blocks is just get up and make your bed. Now you've accomplished something for the day. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Yep. Um, there's a Navy Admiral who gave a whole
1: speech about that. He was a Navy SEAL and like, just like a hardcore, like awesome guy. And, uh, basically he said if you get up and you make your bed you've accomplished your first goal it's a it's a very small like achievement Mm -hmm. but the pride that you get for just accomplishing something will carry you through the
0: rest of the day and And i i think the studies have found there's a literal like dopamine burst that you get for doing it and recognizing that you accomplished something like it chemically sets you off the right for the day it's scientifically proven that if you make your bed, you will likely have
1: a better day. <laughs> so when we got the questions from the the viewer, the viewer also had talked to me about this mm. as well. Because I was like, oh, I hate making my bed. <laughs> she was like, well, remember that, Admiral? <laughs> yeah. So um, interesting, because last time I was here and we recorded, I helped you make your bed.
0: No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, you did most of it. I just grabbed a corner. And then you looked at me. You're like, why am I doing this? And I was like, like, I don't know. I, I was like, I appreciate I it. I don't know why I'm helping you. <laughs> I just saw you working and I felt weird standing there. So I was like, I need to help. Yeah. Can't just let him work on his own. I'm just watching back to
0: back. <laughs> Bubba Gump. <laughs>
1: so what's, uh, what's. What's bed making like in your house? <laughs>
0: well, honestly, my wife does it. <laughs> okay. So like, and that sounds, I know how that sounds when I say it like that, but the the normal schedule is I wake up with the kids or as one of the kids is waking up. And then it's kind of my job in the in the morning um, to go, especially if it's the littler one, which it almost always is, go to Lincoln, give him his bottle, get him dressed for the morning because we'll be going to school in a couple hours or less if he, if he sleeps in and then just kind of start getting the day ready for everybody and like get Lincoln's milk out to take to school, uh, get the lunches out, make the coffees, etc., etc. Because when my wife gets up, she's attached to the pump machine. Cause she's still pumping mm. to feed the baby. Um, as she weans down, that'll change obviously, but that's kind of like the delegation of responsibilities in the morning. And so I'll do that. And then while I'm getting the kids ready, she'll wake up and one of the first things she does is make the bed on her way out. She'll get up, either come pump, and then when she goes in to get dressed, she makes the bed, or she'll get up and make the bed and then come out and pump, depending on how tired she is at the time. So she kind of takes care of that. But at the same time, my, my accomplished something at the beginning of the day is going and feeding my child. So it's I still get that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll have to make her not do the bed for like a week and see if that makes her days worse. Is this an experiment? Well, are you <laughs> going to take it over
1: or are you just going to let the bed be messy?
0: I feel like the bed has to be messy
1: That's, That's for true. to get the effect. I don't know. Well, I was just thinking maybe you make the bed and see if your days get better. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm probably not going to make any beds at my house.
0: So. <laughs> you, you do you, baby here's, bird. <laughs> here's the thing about me making the bed. She's gonna make it after me anyway. Oh okay. <laughs> well, maybe just leave it messy. Because so I just let her. I'm just gonna let her handle it. She's the pro. she got it down. She has it the way she likes it. If I get in there, and start doing it, it's not gonna be the same. Anyway, we went off on a little bit <laughs> sidetrack there. <laughs> That's okay. It is okay. What is another rule for you? Because I struggled for this. I had to. I had to text my parents, and I was like, "Hey, I'm doing the show. We're gonna talk about rules. I don't. I don't remember rules. Yeah."
1: That's another thing. I also struggle with this topic, too. I asked my dad about rules. I was like, Dad, I can't really remember any rules because, like, as far back as I can remember is basically being a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) And I was so responsible as a teenager because it was just me, dad, and my brother at that point. Like, I just had my own stuff to do. And... Like, I didn't have a bedtime. I just sent myself to bed every night at 10 o'clock. Right. Like, no matter what, as long as it was a school night, I went to bed at 10. Like, even if we're in the middle of the movie or something. And my dad was like, Yeah, I can't remember, like, you haven't any rules during that time either. And he's like, I mean, if you were in trouble or something, then you had, like, Yeah, there were consequences.
0: There for... were consequences, but that wasn't rules. That was just. Yeah and i feel like maybe it's the same story for both of us where it was kind of like inherent like there were expectations of being good but there weren't like specific rules and i was thinking about this earlier and i wonder if it's maybe just a byproduct of you and i have maybe a less stressful parenting experience than our parents did cuz you had a single dad and then my parents both worked at opposite shifts so i would come home from school and my mom would be on like the last hour and a half of before she had to go to work at night. And then around the time she was leaving to go to work at night, my dad would come home from working in the morning. And so I don't know, maybe there wasn't like, it wasn't time to like draft out rules or maybe that just wasn't the style of the time, yeah. but there were definitely like things I couldn't do. Like it was a big deal if I ever lied to my parents. Like yeah. if I was ever in trouble, if I fessed up to what I did or just answer their questions truthfully, it might suck. But if I'd ever lied to them, it was like starting world war three. That was not smart move. And just generally like respecting other people. I remember I have a specific, like, I don't know if it's a core memory. I have a specific memory of going and hanging out with my friend, Corey, which side note, I just saw randomly last night. He was visiting home. I just bumped into him at the mall, but I was hanging out with my friend, Corey. And I think I spent the night at his house. And when my parents picked me up, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I I heard Corey's mom tell my parents that I was like very polite and respectful. And that like, that was the thing. That was the thing that they like praised me for at the time. Like it's not that they didn't care about anything else I did, but they were just so happy that that was the report back that they picked me up and they're like, your son was so polite and he was so nice and he did all the manners. And like, that was the thing that I I specifically remember them like kind of emphasizing really hard. So that's the thing that I started trying to do. I was like, well, I want to be polite. I want to do this. So, and then he became a teenager. and <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't like a core memory, but it was a corey, corey memory. memory. I knew you were going to say I it did. as soon as I said his name. And I was like, he's going to pick up what I'm putting down. I know. I love it.
1: I was trying so hard not to interrupt <laughs> you. i <laughs> just like, Nick, Nick,
0: Corey, core memory. <laughs> 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 Sorry. One thing that they said... That I didn't think of um, was putting stuff back where you found it. Yeah. Which is like... It's not a groundbreaking rule. It's not like, oh my god, that's a rule in your house? Like, that just makes sense. Well, that kind of reminds me. I was like a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout
1: for not many years, but, (laughs) you know, a big chunk of my childhood. And that's kind of along the lines. They have a rule like, leave things nicer than you found them. Yeah. So, I guess maybe it's a little less about the rules and more about the expectations yeah so maybe there's not like a list of codified rules that we have in the house but there are expectations mm-hmm. and and everyone has them for their children and
0: yeah one of the ones i didn't fully buy into when i was a kid but but did it just so i wouldn't get in trouble was um, it was a huge pet peeve of my dad's of people that he could hear chewing or chewing loudly or especially chewing with your mouth full of food or talking with your mouth full of food chewing you always chew with your mouth full of food chewing with your mouth open or talking with your mouth full of food that was like that was his pet peeve that would drive him crazy and and that's something that as I grew up like at, at first I was like I mean I get it it's kind of gross like it was, but but now that I'm an adult if I'm sitting next to my wife and we're watching TV and she's like eating, even eating ice cream, which you don't chew ice cream. If I can hear her like eating the ice cream, like it's like nails on a chalkboard and she's not doing anything obnoxious or different. It just, she's eating normally. And like, I hear it. And I'm like, I need to go to a different room. <laughs> like I need to get out of here because it's driving me crazy. So I don't know if I picked that up from him. I learned it or if I picked that up from him cause I'm his son and it just genetic in some way, but like I cannot stand that sound.
1: So, I have a little bit of experience with this, because uh, my oldest daughter is like that too, and her father, I am told, is this way, hmm. but there's a term for it, don't know how to pronounce it, because I'm reading <laughs> it, but it's misophonia, or maybe it's misophonia. Hmm. but it's when, like, noises like chewing or swallowing drive you mad. Yeah.
0: So... When I'm, when I'm editing, I've noticed that I have a habit when I'm editing this podcast, I've noticed that I will talk, 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 and then I need to, like, take a swallow or something like that, and I'll, like, I don't move away from the mic to do it, so you, you get one of these noises, and then I start oh. talking, and I I never noticed that about my speaking pattern before until I started having to listen to it to edit the podcast, and every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, no, get rid of this. It's not an ASMR podcast. <laughs> So um, according to my brief
1: research, (laughs) I knew it was a thing, but I didn't have, I guess maybe I did have time to research it, but I didn't, but (laughs) I didn't. Well,
0: you didn't, I didn't bring it up yet.
1: That's true. I knew it was kind of a thing, I guess. And now I've, I've got a Google browser Mm -hmm, open, mm -hmm. but it, it does say that it is a, it is a type of condition, but it doesn't say like where it stems from. So it, maybe it's a learned behavior or maybe it's not, um, but it is definitely something that exists yeah. among people. So you and your dad, my daughter and her father are people who might have that condition. So it's a real thing. Yeah. So if it bothers you,
0: don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> well, it's probably just like people just consider it like the way I describe it, like a pet peeve. Like yeah. I recognize that this is a silly thing to get upset about, but it makes me feel upset. And so it never really kind of goes beyond that. And so I'm sure whatever research about it is pretty brief. But I do love that we live in a time where there's a name for everything and everything has a name. Yeah, right? Someone has studied this. (laughs) Studied it enough to give it a name. Yeah. Oh,
1: I have a a silly rule. Oh, yeah. I have a silly rule for my own children. It's going to sound even sillier when I say it. (laughs) My rule for the kids is no chanting, (laughs) and it's just my own personal rule that I've imposed on them (laughs)
0: because I heard them chanting. I was going to say, every good rule (laughs) comes from an experience you don't want to have anymore. Yeah, exactly.
1: So they were all like sitting in a circle. I can't remember what they were saying over and over again together, but it was all three of them. And they were chanting and it creeped me out. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't want them to summon a demon. You're no like, chanting. I, you're like, I haven't seen you three work together
0: on anything. Exactly. This is bad news.
1: <laughs> I knew it couldn't be good. So
0: that's, that's up there on the scale of suddenly they're quiet. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's the opposite, but just as bad or maybe worse. <laughs> so suddenly they were chanting, all three of them. <laughs> and uh i talked to my parents well my dad um about like rules to come up with for this episode but i also talked to my oldest daughter about rules and i was like hey she was so good she took it like (laughs) she's like i was like so i could ask you a serious question there's no wrong answers you're not gonna get in trouble like i just wanted her to be open and honest with me and i was like what are some rules we have for you, me and mom, that, they just suck, and you hate them, (laughs) (laughs) and she thought about it, and I could see on her face, she was like, is this a trick, am I (laughs) getting trapped into being grounded right now, (laughs) but uh, we were out by ourselves, it was just me and her, and uh, we were running some errands for nanny, you know, doing a little bit of Christmas shopping and stuff, but, uh she told me she couldn't think of any specific rules. And I brought up the no chanting to her. And she's like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, because you don't want us to summon a demon or something, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. That means I've said it enough for it to like be ingrained in her that she's not allowed to chant because she might summon a demon. <laughs> you come home one day and she's
0: going to be doing some light reading. Be like, hey, honey, what's that? She's like, just, just this book I picked up from the library. It's called Solomon's Key. Yeah, right? <laughs> so on that note... <laughs> Yesterday
1: at her middle school was anything but a backpack day. Oh, I
0: love those things. Yeah. I wish my school would do that.
1: So she brought a witch's cauldron <laughs> for her anything but a backpack. Why does she have a witch's cauldron? <laughs> because <laughs> she's a middle school girl. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> It's actually a Halloween. I figured prop that we have, but
0: um, I was like, it's either a Halloween thing or Jackie's. Yeah. So, while we're on the subject of chanting, <laughs> we just have a witch's
1: cauldron, and uh, now that I've mentioned that, I also realized that there's a child size pine coffin in my house. <laughs> And I'm like, maybe no chanting's not that unreasonable.
0: (laughs) It was on to something here. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: the child-sized pine coffin is actually from Voodoo Donuts. (laughs) Um, It's like a, do you know what Voodoo Donuts Mm -hmm. is? Okay. I feel like people would know what it is, but it's like a fancy donut place. The only one I know of is up at uh, Universal City Walk in Orlando. That's the only one I've ever seen or been to. But um, my middle daughter had a dance competition up there. So uh, my wife and both of our daughters went up there for her competition. It was actually... Oh, it wasn't a competition. It was just like a show at Universal. And they all got to go to like theme parks and stuff. And on the way out, my wife wanted to get some voodoo donuts for all the dance girls. And she was going to buy like a couple dozen for an expensive price because they're like... It's Orlando. Everything's expensive. Well, they're also like artisan donuts or whatever. Like each one is like art. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, she's messaging me back and forth and then she's like, oh my God. I was like, what? And she sent me a picture and it's of a sign that says you can get a coffin of donuts. (laughs) And I was like, How much is that? And it was expensive. It was like $120 or something. (laughs) But she was already going to spend like $80 to get all the girls' donuts anyway. So I was just like... Throw a little extra in for the novelty. Yeah. So I was like, nobody ever buys that because it's expensive. I was like, get the coffin full of donuts. (laughs) And she's like, we can get it. And I was like, heck yeah. (laughs) So my wife bought the coffin full of donuts. And... All the girls took Donut out, but there were still, like, a dozen or two dozen left, something like that. Way too many. And, uh, also, she had to carry the coffin from (laughs) basically the entrance of Universal all the way to the parking structure. (laughs) (laughs) I think she had help because it's literally big enough. Well, at the time, Shirley could have fit in it. Right. So, like, good-sized coffin. (laughs) But, uh. It's like a very macabre piece. Yeah. And if I had some straps, that'd be great for anything <laughs> but a backpack day. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Maybe next year, right? <laughs> we'll get her to take the coffin to school. <laughs> oh, she told me, by the way, that kids brought all kinds of crazy stuff. Like someone brought a kayak. Yeah. I
0: was like, they
1: brought a boat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like it's stupid fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why my school won't approve it. Other high schools do it too. It's probably easier to contain in middle school, but other high schools do it too. Um, but RSGA, which I used to be a part of, is always trying to get different um, kind of like spirit week stuff. And that's one that's been floated once or twice, and it never gets approved, which kind of stinks. I think it'd be super fun.
1: It, it was super fun. It's one of those
0: things where like, this is totally off topic, but teacher mode for a second. That's okay. It's one of those things where like, I understand the caution of kids who are going to abuse stuff like that, And just be as dumb as possible but with anything but a backpack day it's kind of the charm is to be as dumb as possible for one day and it's also like it's one of the things where it's so stupid and the kids would be so dumb about it that they most of them i would say probably maybe 90 percent of them if i had to give it a loose number probably wouldn't even think to be nefarious about it because it's just such a dumb silly thing and just the idea of it like, you don't even have to go into, like, nefarious things you could bring to school because it's, like, everything's so stupid already. Like, the kid bringing the, the kayak or uh, kids wheeling around giant trash cans with wheels. Um,
1: There's shopping carts, too. Yeah, shopping
0: thing. carts and, like, uh, I've seen somebody bring a kiddie pool. <laughs> it's like it's just dumb and they're like none of it's even practical like enough to carry anything yeah which is supposed to be like what can you put stuff in to be a backpack for the day it just gets so dumb i keep using that word because it's the only it's the best word for it it's such a stupid fun thing yeah it's just so ridiculous (laughs) but i'm gonna push for it next year even though i'm not an sga anymore i'm gonna gonna float that idea and see see if we can get it approved because i think it'd be hilarious
1: Plus, I feel like it would encourage attendance because everyone would want to show off their clever idea. That they
0: yes had. but there's nothing's getting done that day. The kids are walking changing. around with trash cans and kayaks in the classroom nothing's getting done that day. Well it was the day before <laughs> yeah. the winter break. Yeah, so. <laughs> you, you have to choose the time for it carefully but yeah. our spirit week's always for homecoming and like I don't know maybe the last day of before the game or something. I don't know. There's a way to time it out but I think our student, my students, would have a lot of fun with that in a way that would not be destructive. But I also understand the caution because our kids are constantly destroying the bathrooms at school. So, yeah, that's yeah, a weird. Maybe they just don't trust them, and honestly, those kids have to earn that trust back because they're just constantly destroying stuff. So, anyway, teacher thingy aside, do you have any more rules
1: after it's, chanting?
0: After chanting, I can't think of any. Like, I feel like I covered all this stuff from my childhood. It wasn't a lot of like like we said, it wasn't a lot of like codified rules. It's just like these are the expectations we have for you, just basically to be good to other people and don't lie and don't Oh, here's one. Another big one in my house, which kind of goes into all the other things, and you would expect this to be a rule with parents anyways. Um I wasn't allowed like obviously I wasn't allowed to talk back to my parents, but I wasn't allowed to say no to things. Like My parents asked me to do a chore, asked me to clean something or pick something up. And I was like, no, that was game over. Well, that's disrespect. Yeah. So so that kind of like, that's one of those ones that's kind of obvious in hindsight. When I was a kid, I was like, man, my parents won't let me say no to anything. Like, what if they asked me to do something like, but then I also remember my, there was a phase where my dad tried really hard to make me mow the lawn and I think I maybe did it once or twice and it wasn't on purpose, dad, if you're listening, I promise. Uh, But I think I did such a bad job that my dad was like, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) But, like, I also remember, like, I couldn't say no to things. And I had chores and responsibilities. But there are also chores and responsibilities that I did that were, like, less worse than they could have been. Like, my, my responsibilities were vacuuming and dusting. Pretty reasonable. Not too bad considering all the other responsibilities I could have done. I occasionally had to get my mom's laundry out of the dryer. But I didn't have to fold it. I just got it out for her. Nice. But, like... Yeah, saying no to my parents in in most ways was, like, that was asking for trouble. And I noticed that I do that with my kid, too. He's only three and a half, so, of course, he's going to say no to things. But, like, when he says no to me, that's when I'm like, okay, all the the polite, gentle parenting is done, and I'm going to tell you in a stern voice what's going to happen, and we're going to take it from there.
1: You kind of reminded me of something else. I want my kids to try different foods even if they don't like them after they try them, they don't have to eat them again. But yeah. I do want them to try new foods. Um, that's a this, huge battle with my kid right now. And the saying no thing reminded me of my son because he doesn't want to try
0: stuff that he's never had. Yeah, and like it turns into this battle that's not worth anything. But like maybe it's our parent ego, my wife and I. But like we we fight that battle for a while before we're like, we kind of give in i guess or he finally takes a bite um he's he's a huge picky eater and trying to get him to eat new foods is like a a huge struggle and we're running to a problem he's starting to get bored of the food he's been eating for like the last two years Eating the same dinner for like the last two years he's getting bored of it but he won't try and eat very (laughs) many things that are new and so that's going to be um That's going to be on our two research list probably over summer when we have a little breathing room to think about it. And our, our youngest one's a little bit older, too. Yeah. So, for us, it's the same thing. It's like a big battle.
1: And the only reason that we choose to fight the battle is because I want him to like more things that I like. Right. So, like, sometimes I do, like, daddy dates with the kids. Yeah. And... I don't want to take him somewhere just for him to eat, like, the same thing he eats everywhere. Else, right. Like a quesadilla. Or- yeah.
0: Or alternatively, you don't want to take him to a place you're excited about and then he doesn't eat anything. And you got to figure out what he's going to eat anyway. Yeah. Or so- you have five people in your house, six, I guess, and you don't want to cook, like, eight different meals for everyone with their picky eating and stuff. I guess is what we're worried about at our house is we'll cook a meal for my wife and I, and then we have to make Nixon's food. And then our youngest son is starting to do solid foods, but he's like having a lot of trouble with it. Like the texture is making him vomit right now. So once he gets packed that, we're pretty confident that's a telltale sign. He's going to be a very picky eater too. Right. So like, I don't want to have to make three meals every dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I guess the advice from older parents I've heard, and probably I, I'm pretty sure my parents have told me this before as well, is just, just make the one meal and tell him to eat it and don't have an alternative. But like I, I don't have the constitution, I guess, to send my kids to bed hungry. Well, the the other thing is, well, for me
1: anyway, my dad never made us eat food that we didn't like. Yeah. Um, like, whatever it was that we didn't like, then we just didn't have to eat it because he thought it was dumb that he had to eat the one meal or right. go to bed yeah. hungry, kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't think I could do that either. Like, I couldn't stick to my guns on that one.
0: Well, I think about it the same way I think about um, the breastfeeding advice we got when we were having Nixon, our first kid, which was, if breastfeeding doesn't work out, do formula, because fed is best, is what they would say. Fed is best. So, I feel like if my son's a picky eater and he eats chicken nuggets and cheese cubes every night, he's still eating. So, I'll take it. Yeah. So, on the other hand...
1: We keep making him try different stuff, and he's learning that he likes different stuff now. So he used to not like want any kind of like steak type meat, but now he likes it. Nice. So, um, and then uh, there was a new meal that I made. Oh, here's another trick that I learned when you're making the meal, especially if it's something new that you haven't made before, get them to help you make it, mm-hmm.
0: and then they're more inclined to eat it. And say that they like it. Yeah. You I know. tried that with uh, scrambled eggs. I had my son help me make scrambled eggs one day. And he he likes eggs in certain settings. But after we made it, he took like one bite and he's like, I don't want any more. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Um, my dad got my son to eat something new. Uh, he got him to eat a powdered donut. Those oh. little Enderman donuts. Yeah. We got some uh, to take home after we took our kid to a, an event at our school where another teacher was offering like free childcare on a weekend or donation based childcare on a weekend as a fundraiser for her club. And uh, they had just had a ton of donuts that was donated by our school's food bank. And so we got to take an entire box home of Enderman packages. And I was like, there's no way my son's going to eat this, but it is one of my dad's favorite snacks. So someone will eat it, <laughs> whether I give it to him or my son eats it. And um, then my wife and I went to do lesson plannings while my parents were watching the kids. And we came home and they're like, yeah, Nixon ate two donuts. We're like, what's, But he'll only eat the outside part. Yeah. He only eats the outside part where the powdered sugar is, which is funny because he absolutely hates sweet things. He won't eat candy. He won't touch ice cream. He won't do a popsicle, but he'll do the powdered sugar of a donut and he'll do a milkshake or a smoothie. It's a weird kid.
1: So that is, is like a surprising thing to hear when your kid doesn't like sweet stuff. It's also so amazing. If we (laughs) take our kids out to eat somewhere, and, uh, well, you know how kids' menus have, like, the protein choice, Mm -hmm. and then they can choose the side or whatever. A lot of times, my kids choose, like, the vegetables, Mm. and every server is always surprised that they'll choose. I mean, they choose French fries, too, sometimes, but who's going to say no to French fries? We actually just did that (laughs)
0: last night. We took my son to see Santa at UTC, and we went to Cheesecake Factory for dinner. And he got chicken strips, which chicken is his go-to protein. And the choice was french fries or fruit. And we got both. Well, he chose both because he loves fruit. He'll eat most fruits. Well, not most fruits, like the basic ones. He'll eat bananas and apples and strawberries and blueberries. And then after that, it's kind of a little bit of a struggle. To me, that's most fruits. I mean, that's... (laughs) 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 It's fair enough. Sorry. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, so... I lost my train of thought on that, but <laughs> didn't mean to derail <laughs> you there. So that's—I feel like we're kind of done with the rule talk because we're going on a bunch of different tangents. Yeah. So let's go to the questions. Okay. So we had a viewer. Do you want to name her? She's like.
1: I don't know if she's comfortable with that or not. Okay. So I
0: well Let's err on the side of caution. We had a viewer that sent in a question. Um, we'll send in a question for each of us, and we'll let you do yours first. Okay. Since you told me about it. And the question (laughs) she sent you, I'll just ask it to you. Oh, okay. um, Was essentially their question for you that I will read from your conversation that you sent me which is easier, raising a boy or raising a girl? So you have two girls and a boy. Your oldest is in middle school, kind of in that preteen age. Uh, And then your other two kids are very close in age. Yeah. And so. I feel like you've probably caught up at this point I feel like Shirley's age is probably around where Adriana's age was if not a little older than when you first kind of started getting involved in her life so I feel like your experience starting off getting involved as a stepfather and then your experience as a biological father to Shirley and Logan have caught up to that same spot so Shirley was or
1: Adriana Adriana was two Oh, so you. Like two and a half. Did that a long time ago. I was thinking four in my
0: head for some reason.
1: By four, she was already like my kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For a long time. Yeah. So. um, I had my timeline scrambled on that. No worries. So, raising a boy versus raising a girl, it's interesting because when they're little, little, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a baby who needs you. When they grow up, one thing I noticed I thought was cool with multiple children is um, how early you know what their personality is. Yes. And, like, that kind of stays their personality is what I've found. So, like, Adriana, even when she was little, is her personality hasn't changed a whole lot. Same with Shirley. Like, same with Logan. Um I don't know if I'm supposed to name all my kids. We already did it last episode. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Well, now everyone knows. Double. (laughs) (laughs) So, Adriana, she's always been very independent. Like, um, she has always been able to entertain herself. She's always preferred it that way, to be honest. If you ask her to, you know, go play when she was little, she would just go play. Or she would just already be playing, and you'd wonder, like, what <laughs> is she doing? I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I need to check on her. Right? <laughs> it's too quiet. She's summoning a <laughs> demon. Yeah. Maybe she's <laughs> chanting. Um. <laughs> so, I guess what I really want to say is, until they're a little bit older, and they start, I guess, liking quote-unquote girl things and boy things, in my house, we don't really have that. Yeah. I mean... Like, here's a good example. McDonald's Happy Meals sometimes have the girl toy and the boy toy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the boy toy is like Super Mario or Pokemon. Right. Which all my kids love, both of those. And sometimes the girl toy is Barbie, which all my kids also... Well, not Adriana so much anymore. (laughs) There was a time when all of them played with Barbies. Right. Logan would be Ken, like... Sure. And the girls would be the girls. So, potty training and stuff like that, I've heard one can be harder than the other. I didn't have that experience since I had two older siblings already. Logan and Shirley were kind of potty training at the same time at a point. But, like, Logan just started using it on his own. Hmm. Like, we didn't have to train him. He just went and it's because he had older siblings who right. went to the potty on their own so he just like we didn't have to teach him basically. right he wanted to do it too so i'm just trying to think of different ways i'm like did i have complications because one was a girl or did I have complications because one was a boy and i feel like my main complications come from society basically yeah so like logan has older sisters so there were times when his fingernails would be painted mm-hmm. because he just wanted to be—he wanted to fit in with his sisters. Yeah, and maybe sometimes people gave him comments and stuff, or gave us <laughs> comments about painting right. his nails. But like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> he wants didn't to hurt him. anything. Yeah, like I like I have my toes painted at some points because the girls were doing their nails and they wanted me to be involved. So right, I painted my nails. And then, like I guess, being tough. I guess looking like, supposed to be tough because right. he's a boy, but like he's a sensitive, like sweet boy. Like I am sure someday he'll want to be tough, but like he loves cuddles and hugs and you know girly things. Right. Like, but I want him to be like emotionally available and yeah. like an even keeled person when he grows right. up. So, like, I don't want to like you know. We roughhouse too, though. Like, yeah. But I also roughhouse with other, the other kids. So yeah.
0: I'm just trying to think. Well, I think you you brought up the main thing is like even, and this isn't a knock on the viewer because she's amazing, but I even the question comes charged with that like society expectation like of like, well, what's harder, a boy or a girl to raise? And they're probably asking that because there's this expectation of dads and daughters with this overprotectiveness, and there's my little princess, and you know, daddy's girl kind of thing, and then there's like you said, the expectation of the boy to be tough, and and all that. And I hear a lot when um, when I meet new people or new coworkers, and I'm kind of giving them my background as we introduce ourselves, and they find out I have two boys, like, oh, you're lucky. They're so much easier, and you know, enough people have told me that that maybe there's some truth to that. Like, if I had only girls, maybe I'd have. You know, I maybe mean, my outlook would be different. It's hard to know because I'm only a boy dad, but I, I always kind of tilt my head about that. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I would feel that way even if I had two girls. You know what I mean? Like the way, I guess what I'm trying is that the way I'm raising my boys is, I, I never, I never did anything with them that I wouldn't have done if I had girls anyway. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, I would have roughed house with them too, because it's just fun for me. You know, and the kids always end up loving it and if they don't then obviously I wouldn't do it but like I give my boys hugs I give them kisses and you know tell them I love them and all that stuff that like older generations of dads probably weren't expected to do or probably maybe not even did very much to their their boy children uh, but maybe would have done a little bit more for their girl children just cuz there's that like that gender expectation I guess but when you're raising the kids like
1: you really just want them to be good humans yeah is how i feel about it like i just want my kids to be good human beings right and i want them to like what they like and not be afraid like one time i can't remember what kind of shoe it was but someone made fun of my oldest because of the shoes she picked out i don't want to say they were like batman or something because it doesn't sound they were just like boy style shoes, sure. I guess. Maybe they were blue and black or something. It was when she was a little younger, not too, like maybe two years ago. So she was like 10 and she felt self-conscious about that because of the shoe that she liked because some boy was like, oh, those are boy shoes, you right. know, blah, 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 whatever fifth graders say to trash talk <laughs> each other. And I was just like, screw that kid. Like, <laughs> you like what you like, little one. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Like, I like Hello Kitty. I have so much Hello Kitty stuff. (laughs) And it's my stuff that I had before I even had girls. Like, you know. But it's different for me because, you know, I'm a giant man and no one's going to. Right. Like, you might remember I had that. that In high school, I had that pink string girly backpack. Yeah. Like, I just liked that bag. And it was like, well, number one, it was a gift because (laughs) someone, like, dared me to use it or whatever and right I, like, I complimented it and she's like oh i'll buy you one if you if you use it and i was like yeah i'll fucking use that <laughs> it's a nice looking bag like <laughs> it's functional and like and fashionable yeah <laughs> like, so i used that bag until it fell apart or we graduated <laughs> or whatever like it was a tough bag too like yeah
0: and that's another thing i think you touched on our experience is like I'm not going to say I was like a big tough guy in high school because I was like a cringy anime kid, but I was still big and like, I didn't experience, I didn't experience bullying in high school the way I experienced it a lot in the lower grades. I think basically just because I was bigger and like there were kids that maybe would have said something to me that I towered over and like maybe that made them stop. But at the same time you were just as big or maybe even a little bigger than I was in high school or at least more athletic because you're doing ROTC and I was sitting on the couch eating ramen noodles. (laughs) But um, but I find it hard to imagine that somebody would try to tease you about wearing a pink backpack when you're like twice their size and three times stronger than them. But our kids are going to be little for a while before they grow into their bodies or their their athleticism or whatever will stem from where they are now. And uh, that's something that they might have to deal with. Just like kids that aren't allowed to play with other gender toys or whatever. Not sure exactly where I'm going with this, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, they're going to have to experience that because not every household is going to be operated like that. Yeah. And like, it sucks that they're going to have to go through that thing where like, they just enjoy something and someone's going to try to tear them down because of it. And it's like, just because they're playing with like, I you an example uh, on my end. When I was a little kid, I don't know how I got it. I had a, a, my little pony pony. I don't, I don't remember where it came from. I remember I had one, and I remember one specific memory. My brother was getting ready for a Little League Baseball, and I was trying to play with it, and somehow it fell behind the dress, and it was this big thing that I couldn't reach it. Like, that's what I remember about it the most. Other than the fact that I had one. Like, I had a My Little Pony. I used to take my mom's rings and put them on because they reminded me of Captain Planet, and oh, I yeah. wanted to be a planeteer. And, like, it's silly little stuff like that. That I could easily see uh, maybe even my dad being a little worried about, like, I don't know, a little light in the loafers, as they say. (laughs) But that doesn't necessarily mean anything, especially when they're so young. And I think it's more important to let them kind of explore their interests and let them kind of play with the things they like to play with than it is to be like, no, you're a boy. You have to play with this boy toy.
1: Yeah, so... I guess that it, that is probably the hardest part of having two two types of kids, <laughs> <laughs> boys and girls is uh, just I guess society's expectations for them, and like I do want my son and my daughters to be confident, and you know the best I don't know if it's the best way, but one way you get confidence is through adversity. So that's true. They need people to tell them to
0: cut them down a little bit so that they can (laughs) learn to be confident, I guess. Well, yeah, but it's also the world's not a nice place. And I feel like this could maybe be another episode that we do in a fuller subject matter. But the world isn't a nice place. And sometimes I feel like it's getting way less nice as we get older and... I don't want my children to be unprepared for the meanness of the world. I don't want them to be unprepared for how cruel people can be. And of course I never want them to experience cruelness to begin with. Like I never want my kids to be bullied, but I know as they get older, people won't always be nice to them. And I, I want to give them some strategies to handle that or to cope with it or to be better about it. And I also don't want them to be taken advantage of by people or hurt by other people physically or mentally. So, you know, at a certain age, I'll want my children to be able to defend themselves either just with confidence and not letting other people's words affect them or physically at some point, because that's just, it's not just because they're growing up and boys will be boys. It's just the nature of human beings, unfortunately. So maybe that's that's, something we tackle another time and do some research on it or something. I was just going to say, well, that's kind of where roughhousing
1: comes in. Yeah. Like they learn like tickle fights. They learn where their vulnerable spots are. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, like, self-consciously teaches them if they ever get into a fight to protect right. those spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like when the lion's rough house and the dad, like, lets them win kind of thing. Right. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. <laughs> that's a good point. So let's get to your question, or the question for you. Yeah. And it is, what did you learn from your first boy that's helping you with the second?
0: So I struggled with this one a little bit, too. I actually felt really guilty about coming to record today because I was like, "Man, i I really struggled to prepare for anything." <laughs> I had um, a tough time too, but, but it's fine because part of the part of the podcast is just the conversations that stem out of it, which we've had a ton of awesome ones, in my opinion. Mine too. <laughs> um. But what did I learn, or what experience helped me with the second boy? Um, I think part of the struggle of it is kind of same thing with with the rules thing. Is like it was. A lot of the stuff we did for Nixon was kind of inherent. So my wife's degree uh, is in early childhood education. My degree is in English education for like secondary school. So it's a little bit different, but both of our programs had us talk about child psychology and study that. But her program, even more in depth about, you know, early development of children and their different stages of like zero to three years old and stuff. And so before we had... first son, I feel like we were already a little bit ahead of the game because she knew so much about the development of a child and the different milestones and uh, ways to encourage development and stuff like that. So I felt like a lot of what we already were doing for Nixon, we just rolled over for Lincoln, but there were some little things. So there's some little things that we, we had to learn along the way, like with Nixon, when he was a newborn, we didn't start with swaddling him right away. Like we did in the hospital because the nurses were doing it. But when we took him home, we had him in a rock and play. And so we were like strapping him in and stuff and just putting a blanket over his legs to keep him warm. But he wasn't comfortable doing that. And for the first like week or two at home, he was like real fussy at night and stuff. But then we just started swaddling. We finally got some good swaddles. The hospital blankets were a little small for him already. And the swaddles that we had bought weren't very swaddly. But we ended up finding this much nicer like stretchy material blankets that we used as swaddles and so once we started doing that he was sleeping like really nice through the night already even at like a couple weeks old i mean he would wake up to feed and stuff like every normal baby but he wasn't like he wasn't a nighttime terror once we started swaddling him so that was our first like lesson that we learned with him as like gaining experience as parents that when we had lincoln swaddled from the start like we never even missed that phase Another one that we kind of picked up from Nixon was when we were starting his tummy time and trying to get his like stomach muscle development so he could learn to roll over and hold his neck up and stuff. Yeah. We started with him just flat out on the floor, which is like hard mode. And then we later realized we had this this horseshoe shaped boppy pillow. Oh, yeah. And then we would just put him, we would rest his arms and head on that. So he'd already be a little elevated, which kind of was like training wheels for it a little bit. So when we started Lincoln's tummy time, we just went straight to that, which I remember him not liking as much. Was it a snoogle? The, the sh- no, it was a it was a boppy. Oh, okay. We had one called a snoogle. That's why I asked. <laughs> we had the boppies. Nixon Nixon liked the boppies for like two weeks. And then maybe it's because it became a tummy time tool, like he never wanted to sit in them or be comfortable on them. Oh, okay. Um we tried to use them for bottle feeding to have like an armrest underneath us. Uh, but that was also that was just uncomfortable for us. Anyway we learned that too (laughs) that's another thing we learned bottle feeding with lincoln was way easier because we already knew how to be comfortable with it as he got a little bit older and we were transitioning lincoln from uh the same rock and play we ended up having to use a a flat bassinet because the rock and play started making a bunch of noise and Mm. lincoln started flirting with rolling over and those rock and plays actually were discontinued for um too many episodes of sid's happening which we were a little nervous about but we I was going through all of the the data that was released about the recall and discontinuance and it all kind of like, it was all right around the same time that they started to roll over. So basically they're, they're strapped in a contraption that's rocking back and forth a little bit because they're buckled in. And then when they get able to roll over, they kind of just roll over into a way where it like traps them, which is scary. scary. So the second they even flirted with rolling over, both kids were out of that thing immediately. Uh, but Lincoln was starting to get there, but the rock and place started squeaking really bad, like the the solenoid inside that would raise it up and down was starting to go after four years, and uh, and so we tossed it and got a bassinet which he adjusted to, but we had um another product place and we had a dachetot, but it was like a knockoff dachetot because those things are expensive, <laughs> um, and if you don't know what that is, it's like a how you how you explain it, it's like a little extra mattress but it kind of wraps around them on the edges a little bit. It's got, like, little, like, raised borders, so it kind of feels like they're still contained in whatever they were sleeping in before and kind of keeps that, like, snuggly, womb-like, um, not-just-spread-out openness that the kids really like when they're more snuggled and tight, at least mine did. So we learned to slowly phase that out. So we introduced him to his crib in the dock tot and then we untied the bottom of the tot so his feet weren't touching it anymore when he got long enough and then we would like undo it a little bit more so it didn't have the sides anymore but he was still on like the mattressy thing and then we would take that away after a little bit and then he would just be on the crib mattress one more sleep related thing this was actually a tip we got from my wife's mom so thank you for this this actually came in this is probably one of our most used tips that we did as parents that we anybody any advice that anybody ever gave us as parents this is the one that we probably practically used the most and it was a huge lifesaver for us um but we had bought or we had got from my dad actually a pack and play are you familiar with those I am. they're like the portable cribs they're when they work they're amazing my brother-in-law has one for his kids and whenever we had to borrow it when we were visiting Tallahassee It would not assemble or disassemble easily at all, and it was the most frustrating thing of all time. But ours was smooth. Ours was (laughs) smooth. Opens and closes exactly the way you want it every single time. Beautiful. But the tip was, the pack-and-play bottoms are hard. Mm -hmm. They're, I don't even know what material I would say it was, but it's it's a very firm, hard, thin, quote-unquote mattress uh, that would fold up. Yeah as part of the pack and play you you disassemble the thing or you fold the thing up and it like kind of constricts back into like it's like an umbrella for children to play inside yeah that's a great way to put it (laughs) and so when you undo the umbrella and it thins out you put the mattress around it and it's a hard it's a hard top because it's the exterior of the pack (laughs) of the pack and play Uh, but when you undo it there's like a nets on the side and then you put that thing on the bottom anyway that thing sucks to sleep on i imagine Especially as a newborn baby, everything you have is soft. So the tip was that we got was get a bed mattress topper and cut it to the size of the mattress oh, yeah. and put a bed sheet on it. And then that's the mattress they sleep on. So whenever we have to pack up the pack and play, we pack the pack and play and we roll up the little mattress topper that we've been using. I have it tied around with a little belt so it stays rolled up. Nice. And then we just unfurl it and it's been, every, every time any of my kids have to sleep in it, they sleep beautiful like they never have a problem because it feels like they're just in their regular mattress. And so like, that's a huge, that was a huge one for, for us. Other tips. I think the biggest one for me was just, I gained this just as experience of having to do it the first time when Nixon was newborn and growing up and he was going through his sleep regressions, the way he fought sleep at those times would like just drive me insane which is like a normal response. Like it's stressful when you're sleep deprived and your kids won't sleep and they're screaming at you. Like that's, that's not out of the ordinary, but I felt like I always had like, I described it to my wife. One time is when she heard my son cry, she would get emotional and cry. When I heard my son cry, I would get angry, which is not the normal response. So I was recognizing it, but I was having a hard time regulating it. And so my son would fight sleep and he'd scream in my ear and I'd get so upset And I'd have to put him down and walk away, but I'd walk away steaming mad. And that was a really difficult transition and really difficult thing for me to recognize and accept and like start working on. And when Lincoln does that now, it's not as much of a problem. I still get mad sometimes, but I catch it way earlier and I just put him back down in his crib or wherever safe place to put him and I go get my wife. I'm like, hey, I need to tag you in, please. And it just, it's much easier this time. Because I was like, I don't want to say it was a huge issue, but it was pretty significant. Like, well, that's a really
1: hard, hard time. Yeah, when and, you have a baby, and it was my
0: first girl. go round, so obviously I was getting used to it. But like, again, my wife teaches early childhood, and she teaches parenting to the teenage, uh, teenagers at our school that are teen parents, and like, this is a part of her unit that she covers is like abuse and stuff, like ne- neglect and abuse, and like reporting and stuff there is a section on like shaken babies and like parents that get angry and like it happens in a flash. Like it's a recognized, regular thing. Maybe not regular, but it's a recognized thing that happens common enough where like I've even caught myself with both my kids if I'm getting frustrated and like I'll bop them around on my shoulder that when I say bop them around, that's what I mean. I bounce up and down and sway back and forth. That's our word for it of the house. So I'll bop them around to try to soothe them. And if it's not working, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to myself out loud because my kids don't understand the words. So if I'm saying like, just go to sleep, effing, just effing go to sleep already, bro, And I'm starting to like lose my cool a little bit. I kind of try to express it out loud a little bit to relieve it because it's not going to affect my kids really, unless I'm doing a really mean tone, which I don't do. But I'll notice that I'm, I'm saying that out loud. I'm like exaggerating my bounces a little bit. Like, I've caught myself doing that and recognizing that that's one step away from shaking your kid. Like they're on you and you're bouncing up and down. It's supposed to be a slow, calm, soothing sensation. And if I'm doing that, that's one step away from like shaking your kid and that's not okay. And so Nixon, I had a lot of anger when he would get upset very early on. And it took me a while to kind of regulate that and calm down. And it took some, it took some outside perspective too. It took my wife sitting me down and being like, Hey, I need to know that the kids are going to be okay in your arms. And I need to know that this is a thing that you're going to work on. My Nixon obviously got older, so it's not really a big deal anymore. I don't have to like hold him on my shoulder and, you know, fight him through sleep anymore. But now that I have the new one, recognizing that off the, off the jump, that that's something that I had a habit of doing is getting angry or more upset than the child is when they're not sleeping. Um, just having that recognition has been night and day difference. Like with Lincoln, when he gets upset, I don't get as upset. And if I notice I'm getting upset, we tag out. We have a we set up a system with this one where we we get two tries, then we switch. So if he doesn't nice. go down, I pick him back up. And if he doesn't go down again, I walk out and I go get my wife and then she comes in. And if he doesn't go down, she tries it again. And if he doesn't go down she'll come and get me. And then that keeps us both from getting too frustrated. Cause you have to put them down like eight times. Then you start getting annoyed. Right. Cause it's like, just go to sleep. <laughs> um, but having that system in place where we switch every couple of times, was a total, we never did that with Nixon. So that's something that we did pick up and learn. Nice. That's good teamwork. It is. I'm
1: just thinking back. I, I also got really angry when sleep
0: regression happened. Yeah. Um, well, it's extremely stressful, and I don't want to make excuses for it, but it's extremely stressful. It makes sense that people get frustrated and angry with it. Like, yeah. It's the end of a very long day, and if your kids already aren't sleeping very good, you might be like me, up at four in the morning, right? I don't get a nap today. My kid, my mo- my wife just left to go get my kids. They'll be back by like one twenty ish yep. I guess you don't know what time it is while recording. They'll be back in like a half hour, 40, 45 minutes or so, <laughs> and like... I'm not going to get a nap for today. I'm not going to get to rest. They're going to come home and I'm going to play with them. And then they're going to go to bed and then it's going to be like 830. And if they fight sleep at 830, I just have to deal with it. You know what I mean? And so if they're screaming bloody murder or screaming into our ears while we're trying to sue them, yeah, it's going to, it will make someone upset. But it's important to recognize that right off the bat and take the appropriate steps. Like you're allowed to feel upset, but you're not allowed to take it out on the kid even unconsciously. Yeah, because exactly. it's too dangerous. It's too risky. Um, so I think, I think from boy one to boy two, since Lincoln's so little, and I don't really have to use any of the toddler stuff yet until he starts walking in a few months. Um, I think boy one to boy two, just regulating my own frustrations, a lot better is what I picked up the most. Well, the best thing you did
1: is recognize that you were getting that frustration and trying to work on it, like. Yeah. And I had struggles with that too, when my kids were that small, like you know I have my own issues that just make me angry no matter what yeah. anyway, so you know that didn't help at all, having screaming children, yeah, and my wife was the same way you know she was a she was a a trooper basically, and she helped me and helped the baby, yeah, it's interesting to me how much she helps like me the same way she helps the kids (laughs) it's probably not interesting for her (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's just i guess what i'm trying to say it's good that we have the kind of relationship with our wives that yeah you know since i came from my single parent household i'm not used to seeing that behavior i guess yeah so when i experience
0: it it makes me feel all like warm and fuzzy even if it's hearing about you right. experiencing it it's, well, it's like, and I don't remember what my parents were like when I was one years old and I remember growing up, I remember they had arguments and fights and stuff sometimes and like that affected me in certain ways. But in the same way I look at the as an adult, I can look back at their situation and understand where all of that was coming from. And, and recognizing that kind of helps me understand like that just may have been the way things were at the time, but also it doesn't have to be that way. And I have, I think just our generation in general has more tools and more understanding of the way people work and operate that we can just kind of think we're more capable of being teams in that respect. Well, the other thing is, you know,
1: that's part of getting older. Like, you have you you become more wise as you get older because you have the perspective right and you can look back on situations and say oh this happened probably because all of this stuff was going right. on like and that's that's probably why we as humans generally we look back on the past fondly instead of i guess spitefully right you know yeah like I mean, if you're, like, a terrible human, like Hitler or something, no one's going to (laughs) remember you fondly. But, like, if you're, like, here's a good example. I have all these stories I've recognized from my dad since (laughs) I've gotten older. Like, uh, this is a a really funny one. This is kind of a tangent, but I feel like it's important. Um, Growing up, my dad hated sauerkraut. He hated it so much, like, I wanted to try it. And I did try it not at my house, like at someone else's house, and I liked it. And since he single parent, working all the time, kind of thing, and I had to cook meals for me and my brother sometimes, more, more than sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got I walked across the street to the grocery store and got sauerkraut to make with the sausages I was making for us. And that was a night Dad was coming home early that I didn't know about. Mm and the house smelled like sauerkraut and uh, he had his own issue with the sauerkraut that i found out later on but like it basically triggered him and he got super mad and he not only did he like get rid of the sauerkraut he took the pot outside <laughs> to the outside trash can and threw the whole thing away oh my god <laughs> and he was livid about yeah. it and you know i got a whole earful about the sauerkraut and How we're not cooking it in this house. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, fast forward, like, probably 20 years later. It was, like, two years ago at this point. And uh, me and my wife are meeting my dad for lunch. And he orders a Reuben sandwich, which comes with sauerkraut on it. Oh, no. And I ordered the Reuben. I think I ordered it first, actually. And he's like, oh, that sounds good. I'll get one, too. And I'm just, like, thinking in my head. I was like, does he know it comes on this sandwich? I was like, he's got twenty three years on me. He must he knows what a, <laughs> he knows what a Reuben is, right? <laughs> and uh we're just casually the food comes, you know, dad picks up i j ju- I'm just waiting. Right. You just wanna see what happens. Yeah. And uh my wife's eating some of her food and my dad's like two or three bites into a sandwich. I know he got the sauerkraut at this point. And I'm just looking at him <laughs> and I'm just watching and I'm like, Why isn't he flipping the F L? And he's like, Aren't you gonna eat your sandwich? It's really good. <laughs> and I just go, Are you effing kidding me right now? <laughs> and he's like he looks at me. My dad does the Spock eyebrow. Yeah. Like, fascinating. And uh he'll raise his one eyebrow and just like, you know, do the Spock face. And uh I was like, There's sauerkraut all over the sandwich. And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean yeah why aren't you throwing all these dishes away (laughs) like he reacted not at all like he did the first time and uh turns out he likes sauerkraut now whatever upset him that day about it just he told me uh his ex-wife that he married after i was an adult already and they got divorced also when i was an adult um (laughs) I'm not Benjamin Button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the whole thing was he got over whatever issue he had with the sauerkraut and decided he liked it, and he likes Reuben sandwiches. But, like, you know, he didn't even remember the story about the sauerkraut <laughs> and throwing away the pot and stuff like that. Like, he's like, well, I mean, obviously it happened, but I have like, he had no recollection right. of it at all. And there's a couple other stories I have where, you know, I feel like dad kind of flew off the handle a little bit over something. And then the same situations happened as an adult or like with my children at his house or something. And he just didn't give a crap. Right. Or like didn't even (laughs) remember that it happened. So anyway, that was just an example of like, that was a time in my life where my dad got really upset at me. And, you know, it didn't steam my image of him or anything. It's just like, all this, like, time and training and experience I've had so far, I can look back on that situation and be like, oh, you know, dad was abused by his dad or something. when he, Right. Or whatever, whatever happened with the sauerkraut. Like, some really bad experience right. set him off and yep. triggered an emotional response when he was an adult. Yeah. So like I can just look back on that and like not hold it against him, I guess. Yeah. Because that's not my dad's not the guy who throws stuff away. Right. He's you know the single father that I hope I can be half as good as he was. Yeah. Guy like.
0: And my dad had a has a similar. I don't know. I don't know why food is the trigger for both of our dads. <laughs> okay. My dad had a similar temper um, for onions and for Italian sausage, and my dad's a pretty picky eater in general anyway but like we we ordered a lot of pizza growing up and so we would get meat lovers pizzas and um, but they had to have no italian sausage. You could have regular sausage, but no italian sausage. He just could not stand it. Couldn't stand the smell of it, couldn't stand it. Wouldn't even pick it off. Kind of similar to the sauerkraut yeah, thing with your dad. And uh, everything is tainted if that thing is. Yeah, and it. it's not uncommon for a pizza place to screw up an order. Yeah. And so you know, you order a pizza and you wait for it to be delivered or you go get it. More often, you wait for it to be delivered because when you go get it, you look at it first and be like, no, get that off there. Um, but it gets delivered and the order's wrong because it's got Italian sausage on it. Well, A, pizza order back in the day, and I would say probably the same now. It's like if you've ordered pizza, you've decided you're not going out for the night. Yeah. The food's coming to you. And so the pizza comes. It's however late at night it is you're probably really hungry, right? The food comes, it's wrong. It's wrong in a way that for whatever reason you can't tolerate. And now what are you going to do about dinner? Everyone else can eat this just fine, but what are you going to do about dinner? And my dad worked hard all day, every day. Um, like your dad, he does construction work. He does home urban renovations, tile, painting, drywall, pretty much you name it, plumbing, all that stuff. Um, this hard work and he worked all day and he would come home to my brother and I, cause my mom had to work nights and, uh, and like, okay, now what's going to happen with dinner? And so he would get really upset by that. And as a kid, I would look at that and be like, I don't understand why he can't just eat the pizza without the Italian, zee, without the Italian sauce, just pick it off. Like, I don't get it.
1: Yeah. Like I have to pick off the onions. You guys, Right. Why can't you just pick um,
0: it off? But as an adult, I also recognize, like, he was in his mid to late 20s, maybe early 30s with some of these instances, and we weren't well off with money, and, like, getting pizza was a small treat, and it came wrong. The solution to it is to go through a huge hassle to send it back and get a new pizza, which could take literal hours. Yeah. Or what? And like, he couldn't eat the pizza picking off the Italian sausage because he could still taste it and smell it. And it's going to ruin the meal for him. And as a kid, it sounded ridiculous. But as an adult, I kind of get it. Yeah. Because people are allowed to like what they like and not like what they don't like. And um, so his solution was, I'm not going to eat the pizza. I'm going to eat something else. Well, if we ordered pizza, we probably don't have anything to cook at the time. That was just the way it was. Um, so he'd be left to like, he's going to make bread and butter. And all of us would be like, dad, just eat the pizza, you know, probably further aggravating it. But as a kid, I remember thinking to myself, like, and just being angry about it because he's upset and not understanding. And I remember thinking to myself, like, like, this is so overdramatic. Why doesn't he just eat the pizza? But like, as an adult, I get it. I, I told you we went to cheesecake factory yesterday And no offense to Cheesecake Factory because I normally like it, but my meal sucked. Like it was a special evening for us. We were out with Just Nixon. We were having a good time and we got to dinner and he was being perfect and he was eating all of his food and my wife was enjoying it and I was just eating my meal and I was honestly a little mad because my meal sucked. (laughs) Like it wasn't good. It was dry and it it was kind of lukewarm already when it got to me. Like it just didn't taste great. And we're spending a bunch of money on it that we don't have a lot of and like I was thinking specifically of my dad as like, yeah, I get it. I get why he'd be pissed off by this. Not not well, every time he got upset was so clear cut, but like, again, as an adult with children now and work all day and understanding all the stresses that my dad was going through, like I understand why sometimes he got mad over stuff that didn't make sense to me as a child. But like you said, it like it doesn't necessarily stain my image of him. Like I respect the hell out of my dad. I respect the fact that he raised us on a low income where both my parents had to work opposite shifts. I respect the hell that um, he did every kind of trick he could think of to provide for us. You know, all of our furniture was rent to own. You know, we were renting houses my entire life. We'd have to move every couple of years because the landlord would sell the house or the rent would get too high. Like, yeah, I mean, I had a similar
1: story. Like my dad didn't buy his first house until like eight years ago. Yeah, (laughs)
0: like it was, knowing what I know now as an adult, I was watching my parents struggle as a child and not like not like struggle in a way where like I guess what I'm trying to say is they never they never told us they were struggling they did everything they could to keep up appearances that everything was cool yeah but now you can recognize yeah and I, I think back on stuff like that and I recognize like the stress they were under trying to raise two kids and uh even back then, I feel like Sarasota was a very affluent town and it's only gotten worse yeah. as far as like property values and inflation and stuff like that. Like they didn't have it easy. Is that's what I'm trying to say. And they were under a lot of stress and just talking about how I reacted to my first son, not sleeping, you know, something so innocent and like small, that's stress. That's stress manifesting itself in a way that made me upset. Yeah. And I was able to recognize that and move away from it but that's only because I'm literally trained. You know what I mean? You know, my education program trained me in child psychology and trained me in, you know, these kind of like conflict resolution things with even with just teenagers and stuff and it helped me recognize in myself the kind of stuff that like, okay, I see where this is coming from. Let's put a stop to it. So I guess long story short, since we kind of went off <laughs> from we questions went, yeah. to like when our parents got mad and stuff. Um yeah, it sounds like our parents Besides me having a mom that was around, we have a very similar, like, father figure that was in their, you know, mid to late 20s, raising kids, working all day at a not easy job. And, like, I feel like a lot of our stories are probably similar because of that, yeah. just, like, a product of their environment and how it shaped them into becoming fathers and how that's shaped us into becoming fathers. You can kind of see, like, the the thorough line. For sure. That was, that was a bit of a tangent. I didn't mean <laughs> for us to
1: to go that way. I just wanted to recognize that, you know, a lot of our perspectives that you and I have are, I guess they're going to be similar, but we're also...
0: A lot of like, our background is similar, and a lot of our background is different enough. Yeah. Like, my, my dad wasn't in the military, you know, my dad wasn't single. You know, if, um, if he had to do all that work and then come home to us, you know, we wouldn't have had a house at all because we needed my mom's income. Like it would have been different. Um, but your dad was making enough money where that wasn't the case. Yeah. But he, but at what cost? I was going to say he traded the time for the money. Exactly. Like, yeah, I guess like what you were saying, a lot of our, a lot of our background and perspective are very similar. Um which is probably why we're friends anyway, because we're very similar people. (laughs) Um, But it's different enough where we can offer different things, and our kids are in different age groups, so like some of their earlier stuff might be fresher with me, and then obviously there's stuff that I haven't got to yet that you have experience with. Are we just justifying our podcast now? It kind of sounds like (laughs) (laughs) it.
1: I guess what I really want to say is uh, thank you for the questions, and we really appreciate them. Yeah,
0: and thank you for our dads. Thank you for our dads. And mom i love you too but we're we're kind of on the subject of dad so <laughs>
1: i i i love your mom too when she's awesome i love you I love
0: all that. right so for our first ever inaugural, inaugural golden semi-annual God. golden dad award <laughs> and real quick um there's an aspect of the golden dad that i thought was super clever and i hope you explain how did you come up with the term golden dad oh my goodness it had something to do, whatever, I'll just tell it because I remember it. And you're, I was going <laughs> to say, I'm super you had, sorry, man. No, it's okay. You had told me, because uh, the podcast is Ask Your Dad with a U-R, and so the abbreviation oh, is right. A-U-D, A-U. and you had told me the, the symbol for the element gold is A-U. That's right. So A-U-D is a gold dad. Yeah. So when, when we originally were talking about this podcast and you were like, Hey, I heard you wanted to do a podcast. Here's what I want to do. Here's all the things about it. The second you said that part, I was like, I want to do one of those every episode. Okay. I, it's exactly. like, I don't like, we don't have to do one every episode now, but like that was a, that was a big moment to me. Um, so our first inaugural ever ask your, ask your dad, golden dad award uh, goes to a guy named Derek Gotchi. And you may have seen this story recently because it's from okay. December 2nd. So it's within this month. But Derek Gachi is from Burnsville, uh, Minnesota. I had to look at the article. Burnsville, Minnesota. And what had happened was <laughs> he was carjacked while his kids were in the car. And so the story is uh, he was he and his wife were unloading the car and they had the hatchback open and they had both stepped out of the vehicle to load stuff or unload stuff out of it. And while the doors were open and while the cars were running, uh, another person drove up, jumped out of their vehicle and jumped into his vehicle and took off. And that's got to be one of the most horrifying things I could ever think of because he had four kids in the car. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And they were all young kids. I think the article may, may have said they're all under four or all under five or something like that. They're very young kids. So all, all my kids' ages basically – So it hit extra hard and he had four of them in the car and the dude jumped to his car and took off. And like the split second reaction that this guy had is so amazing to me, the wherewithal and the thought process, not to just freak out and panic. Cause I feel like that might be what I do. If somebody jumped into my car and drove off, I'd be like, I'd be in shock probably. Um, But I'd like to think I'd have the wherewithal to do what this guy did. This guy noticed very quickly that the person's car that he jumped out of was both open and still running. So he took that car and ran his own car down. He followed it down the wrong way of a one-way one street. There was a car coming the other way, down the one way, the right way. And the the perp had took the dad's car and the kids and tried to swerve out of the way. And as it was coming back in, that's when he chose the moment to strike and he pinned his own car against a wall basically and the dude, like, jumped out and took off. Um, I think he chased him on foot for a while. He never caught him, unfortunately. But when the when the mom caught up to the scene, um, police had already responded and were there. And they were like... She was like, did you find my kids? And they're like, no, he found them. And um, obviously, that's enough to make a, a pretty good first Golden Dad Award. But the humbleness also kind of steps into it because he yeah. was asked about there like people are calling you a hero and his quote was like i'm not a hero i'm just a dad doing dad things yeah my kids are uh, coming home with me no matter what and like that's what sets it to the next level for me because that's a heroic act definitely and uh for him to just be like nah those are my kids i'm just being a dad like that really set the tone so that's our first golden dad award that dude is awesome did I you hope... say his name i forgot yeah Derek Gachi. okay making sure of okay. burnsville minnesota what a legend
1: yes uh we don't have a trophy for you <laughs> but just imagine like a u and then d with dad afterwards and you are the golden dad yeah um
0: he set the bar kind of high yeah <laughs> So, <laughs> like, it's the inception of the award doesn't have to be like legendary heroics like this guy saved his own four children with quick thought and driving skills and like went full Liam Neeson but that one really that story as soon as I heard that story is like that's got to be the first one yeah
1: and then the other thing is um if you would like to nominate a golden dad just let us know oh absolutely um we did set the bar really high but you know that was an extreme circumstance and thankfully stuff like that doesn't happen all the time yeah Thanks for remembering all the stuff about the podcast that I told you. (laughs) Um,
0: I feel like I have, like, cognition issues, so. Right. Well, I mean, like, it's always been your brainchild as soon as you told me about it. And I was like, I just want to be involved. And then, like, just the idea of podcasting was so exciting and, like, fresh in my mind. And I was hyper fixated on it that it, like... Is immediately committed to memory all the details that I wanted. I as like, I want this to be so good for him. This is such a good idea, and he's waited so long to have an opportunity to try it. We're gonna put our best effort out. Damn it! Mm. <laughs> You're welcome. I guess. Well, before we end the show, I yeah. wanted to give a shout out to our listeners. Um, we've had uh, in the in the low 100s so far with our first three episodes as far as like unique downloads. Um. I don't know how many true listeners that is or how many actual listens that is, but that's what the, the app gives us for data and analytics. But I did realize that we have some international viewers oh, or yeah. listeners rather. So I just want to give a special shout out to whoever's listening from the United Kingdom. The one person, yeah, uh, the two people in Australia and the, the several people in Germany as of now, like the numbers are low. So it's kind of skewed, but like as of now about 9% of our downloads have come from Germany yeah, nine percent is nine percent. I'm happy. with it. I think that's cool. So we are now internationally known Ask Your Dad podcast uh, with worldwide acclaim. <laughs> but I, w- I was thinking about it, and like I took German in high school, not very successfully, and then I took German again in college, much more successfully. But I don't remember very much of it, so I'm probably going to butcher this. But I do know there's a there's a toast in German. Basically, it goes like, "Where my liver used to be today is a minibar." It's like oh, a drinking yeah, toast. Like drinking. So thank you, German listeners, wherever you are in Germany. I hope your liver is now a mini bar. But if I was going to say that in German, it's going to like, they're out there going to laugh at me when I'm doing it anyway. It's
1: okay. No, they're not going to laugh at They're going to be thankful that you, t- <laughs> that you took the time to try to to try to try say it.
0: So, wo ihr Liebe war, ist heute eine minibar? There you go. Dankeschön.
1: And on that note, I guess it's Auf for the two days. <laughs>
0: uh, everybody listening, let's be real. By the time we edit this and post it, it's going to be after Christmas. Yeah. But if you're a Christmas-celebrating kind of person, I hope you have or had have, have had uh, a really good one. We hope it's, it's full of everything you need. The last few years have been pretty crazy in this world. And so hopefully this time with family or time celebrating can be a nice little recharge and a nice little respite against the craziness of this planet. And we hope you will come back next time and continue hanging out with us into the new year. 2023 is going to be the first full year of ask your dad. It's true.
1: Maybe by then our analytics will have interplanetary viewers.
0: Elon gets to Mars. Oh, Oh, maybe someone on the space station will listen to us. That would be pretty awesome. I don't even know. I
1: know that's not really interplanetary, but it's like, it's kind of cosmic still, I guess. Okay.
0: <laughs> thank you for we're going to quit while we're ahead yep. <laughs> we're going to turn into a different kind of podcast yep. here yeah. <laughs> alright everybody thank you so much we'll see you next time thanks everyone happy
1: holidays This show is written, recorded, edited, and published by Nick Bender and Nick Troyer.
0: You can follow our show on Instagram and Twitter at AskYourDadPod. That's A-S-K-U-R-D-A-D-P-O-D. If you'd like to support our show, you can donate to our Linktree page that will be linked in the episode description. Our theme song is Shimmering Lights by Punch Deck. You can find more great tracks at punchdeck.bandcamp.com. Until next time, if you have any questions, remember, you can always... Ask, Ask your dad. dad. You wish want to start over.
1: Yeah, probably. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you can chop a whole thing and put it in front of the other thing. I could, but I feel like it'd flow better if we just started over. Let's.
0: Okay.